0: If you go to your organizations and you're talking about net zero and you talk to somebody in sustainability, they're still learning. They're still bringing it all together. So don't be scared of having the conversation and opening it up because most people don't have the answers.
1: Hello and welcome to Explain It, brought to you by SoftCat, the show for IT professionals by IT professionals that aims to simplify the complex and often overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on the detail. I'm your host, Zach Abbott, and in this episode, we'll be talking about sustainability in IT. Sustainability is something that we are all aware of and know that something should be done about. But today we're going to be taking a look at what exactly sustainability means to the IT industry. Over the next 40-ish minutes, we'll be talking about what sustainability in IT looks like at the moment and why is it so important, as well as ways in which different areas of the IT industry can work towards becoming more sustainable. And finally, as always, we'll be taking a look into the future and trying to understand what goals the industry should be working towards and how we might get there. Joining me on today's episode is Al Wynn, Operations Director at SoftCat, John Gladstone, Lifecycle Solutions Lead at SoftCat, Dean Gardner, Field Chief Technologist at SoftCat, Deborah Taylor, Supply Chain Service Lead at SoftCat, and Andy Gummersall, former World Cup-winning England rugby scrum half and executive chairman at N2S. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Andy, absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. Could you give us a quick summary of what it is that N2S does and how you move from rugby to sustainability in IT?
0: Yes, hello everyone. Um, How the hell did I get here? My goodness me. So very fortunate to retire from 16 years kicking a rugby ball around and living the dream. I joined my family business. N2S was started by my father, Jack we are absolutely 100% recyclers of technology it used to be telecoms and it used to be called ICT but that seems such an old fashioned term now so a wide range of 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 services on reverse logistics protecting clients data and making sure that you know the triage of the next journey of technology's life is is done in the most valuable uh, and saving of ways so We view sustainability as, you know, just what we do um, in terms of technology and making sure it doesn't go to uh, the horrible landfill. So, yeah, so sustainability is always I was always passionate about traveling around the world, playing my, my, my rugby. And, you know, I kind of just wanted to look at it in business and create a sustainable business, but also create that for our for our customers and your customers.
1: So uh, to start the show, I always like to ask a question to get to know you all a little bit better. So with a former World Cup winner on the show, I thought I'd ask you all what's something that you've won in the past that you're proud of other than the World Cup, Andy? My goodness. Uh, (laughs) That is on the spot, isn't it?
0: Because normally you get asked that and that's an easy answer. Do you know what? I don't know. I, I, I'm i waiting. It's in the balance for the future with, with, in, in my business career. The obvious answer, obviously, is is the, is the World Cup and, and rugby. So
1: completely dodge the question altogether. Correct.
2: Um, <laughs> OK. Uh, Dean? Well, I haven't won a rugby World Cup, so it's quite a difficult one to follow, isn't it, really? But um, I've talked about football before on previous podcasts. I was in a team that won the UK Jockey Ball three-a-side football championship. Yes, it's a thing. And Ball spelt with a J. And we went to play in Rome in a European Championship. We got absolutely beat in in Europe, and we got very drunk for two days when we were there. But we played against Italy, France, and uh, and Spain, and uh, it was even televised in Italian TV. But we didn't know what we were going into.
1: But to confirm, you didn't win
2: it. No, we we finished last, <laughs> and probably because we we treated it as a weekend holiday as opposed to an actual thing. Um, But it was, it's it's in in a cage. It's really like a perspex cage. It's like a squash court. And you play football in these mini goals. Um, It's very strange. And apparently, you know, it still exists in Europe, but not so much in this country. But yeah, we won that in the
1: UK. Well, well done. Deborah?
3: God, how can I top all of these things? I think for me my win and it's another physical one is um i used to be in the ta um many many moons ago which was a great experience um, especially for a girl because it was mainly boys one of the things we did in as part of our induction training is assault courses and i was the first girl and one um, you know getting over the course on my own but i have to also add that my husband is always wanting to tell me that I won the lottery when I met him. So we have to put some humour into it too.
1: John, I'm going to leave you to last because you look most like you're struggling for anything. So um, Al? How do I follow any of this?
4: Rugby, sport, TA, I'm not even going to try and compete on the physical nature. I'm just going to go random here, Zach, and it's the first thing that comes to mind, probably because of the age of my kids. Maybe one of the first things I won in my lifetime was a colouring competition when I was probably about the age of six. And I think I probably had to colour in a transformer and ended up going into Southampton, yeah, town centre one day, to collect an army of transformers. At that age of six, I thought I was the biggest winner in the world with that colouring and the uh, the prizes that followed. Doesn't quite compete with uh, Rugby World Cup or three-a-side football. Who's ever heard of that, Dean, or the TA? But, yeah, that's as good as I've got at six years old. So, last but not least, John? The worst thing is I sound like a complete
5: loser because I was just trying to work out, you know, what I've actually won. And, you know, I'm not particularly great at golf, so I've never won that. I lose at poker. Work. Do you actually
1: play golf? Because that, that would have been just a really weird sentence to start with. Oh, I'm not very good at golf. Never
0: played
5: it. I, I, could, I, I, could, I could answer that. I'll vouch for John. Yeah, he's
1: never won anything in so golf. I, mean, I can hit it a way, but just
5: no one knows where it's about to go. So, yeah. Uh... The lottery thing, actually, <laughs> randomly, there was the rollover about three weeks ago, and I got three numbers and won like 112 quid. So, yeah, I was quite surprised on that. So, you know, that was a big win. And then, uh, you know, oh God, I think the biggest win I've ever had would be when we did the old polython in Softcat when I first started. I got lucky on that and pulled a joker. So I always say to my friends, it's the taking part that counts.
1: Wow. Well, thanks, everyone. And thanks, John, for really scraping the barrel there. Let's move on, shall we? Um, Right. So first things first, Al, could you maybe tell us a bit about what sustainability in the IT industry is all about and what it looks like today? Sustainability is kind of a topic that feels like it's gathered real pace internally and externally
4: with customer suppliers and in the industry over the last 12 months. For us, it kind of boils down to, quite simply taking responsibility for action, um, action to drive change um, for the planet's you know, good, um, a long-term future for us, for our children, for future generations. And you know, in the IT industry, it kind of boils down to three factors for us. Responsibility internally to do the right thing for Softcat, for our customers, for our staff, for our shareholders. And within our industry, you cannot underestimate the power of influence. We can't do this alone. We've got a very strong network of suppliers and partners, and we need to make sure that we can shape this, drive this, and drive this change together.
1: And why does it play such a key role in organisations throughout the industry today?
4: Not just our industry, really. You know, this is something that you hear throughout the world. You know, in various conversations, topics. You know, you think about the supermarkets you shop in, the other shops that you reside and you, know, you gravitate towards, um, your trends, and you know how you operate. You know, socially your decisions and your actions are changing and everything is changing around you. You know, we just like any other industry are needing to change and react and adapt, you know, accordingly as well. The IT industry itself is one of the biggest consumers of energy you know if you look at data centers for example massive drains on you know on energy consumption and in that regard outside of the product and product consumption piece i spoke about earlier has a huge huge impact so the way in which people consume data power and obviously making sure that you're smart and efficient in that has a key impact as well
2: there was um, a recent study i'm looking at it it's cornell university and it came out i think at the end of last year and they estimate that the global it industry contributes about 1.8 to 2.8 of global greenhouse emissions essentially in, in as part of the overall number and i think that's kind of telling it is a small portion but it's a, a significant one and, and i think that if you look at what the large tech companies are doing in the industry today and you know you name a few of them google and amazon microsoft as well as people at like apple you know they've made some really clear markers essentially and they're leading essentially from the front in basically meeting or setting very clear pretty bold goals essentially by year 2030 as an example Microsoft want to be carbon neutral moving towards negative as well so it's kind of these big tech companies are realizing their responsibility based on what I was saying they consume a lot of through the logistics through the data centers and everything else that goes around it and, and I think they're doing things to fix that and it's not an overnight process it's a series of actions and activities which ultimately would lead to business and um, system change and I think that kind of is lead by example. And certainly in our industry, we see that and recognize that. And then we're trying to reflect what that means to us and our customers as well.
5: Yeah, and just to add, you know, there's a lot of history. Really makes up a lot of this within the, within the IT industry and general IT across all organisations. You know, so an IT IT is about twenty to thirty percent of the uh, energy usage across a business. And from my my perspective, the, the, there's quite a large disconnect between the facilities teams and then also the IT teams. So the facilities teams that are responsible for all the cooling within the data centre and, and energy use, uh, and the IT teams consuming that. And I think until that those you know those teams really become and start treating it as you know as a battle that they're working on together. That is a problem. And and I know that something that Andy will want to talk about as well is you know the circular economy piece. You know is that you know Dean quite rightly pointed out that a lot of the manufacturers are doing a lot of uh, great work around it. But you know the reuse, recycle, um, remanufacture. You know is a real big piece that we need to concentrate on across all organisations and business verticals. You know and especially with the, the government looking around their you know greening policies for new contracts and upcoming contracts around the reuse of um, uh, remanufactured IT equipment. You know, it it is coming. We just need to continue the good effort around it.
1: Nice. 2021 has been dubbed the year of sustainability in the channel. Andy, do you want to tell us a little bit about what that means?
0: Sure, yeah. I I think um, for the IT industry as a whole, when you consider all the channels that take part in this, I think it's a, for me it feels like a a coming together and having a conversation. There's a there's a lot of competition, but actually, how much competition and and a lot of the channel fulfil different services and sell different products across different technology domains. So it's it's quite convoluted in a lot of ways. So if you were to truly report as an end user and then let's just start with net zero 2050 adding that into the mix of sustainability that you're going to have to assess your supply chains um, because that's where quite a large percentage of carbon emissions take place uh, dependent on your business we we all have to come together I mean we we really do need to formulate a plan but also you know, they're always going to be the laggards. They're always going to be the leaders like Softcat now are, are, I see you guys as the leaders right now. And we're on the start of the journey, okay? So you think of the last decade and and John and I will talk to the cows home about this and Debs has been involved as well, is the past 10 years have been really, really difficult to have these conversations. Nobody has really genuinely cared because it's not part of, their job it's not really spread in terms of the education piece and how damaging we are to our environment and the planet and so there's a couple of things that have happened along the way that means that this decade is really important so you've said 2021 but I I think we're already in this next decade and we've started You know, we have COP26 coming at the end of November. We had in 2015, we had the Paris Agreement, then the US pulled out of that, and then they're back in it now. And it feels like six years of a lot of talk. And to Al's point, he he mentioned, you know, the kind of talking's over, it's action. And so you need to show that action. And that's where it gets now a bit of a challenge, because... There is a lack of consistency and how do we know what factors people are regulating and assessing and by whom? So it's really difficult to kind of pin it down. But all I'm pleased about is that we're having the conversation in the channel at the moment. This is great. This is a, another vehicle to kind of spread the gospel. But there's so there's such a long way to go. And I think we, we all need to pull together. So you guys are going to lead. Uh, I think there's going to be kind of consortia brought together as well. And it doesn't necessarily mean the board, the CEO. I think as individuals working for a company, you can show strong leadership and you can start to demand it more in your organization without being a pain in the backside. And you need to learn more and you need to become a real expert in this because it's your future, it's your children's future. And the thing that really hit home to me was seeing, talking about net zero 2050 and they were in a primary school. And I'm 46 years old, gray beard, old man. And these kids by 2050, if we sorted it out by net zero, are my age. And that really hit home to me. I was like, oh my goodness. Because I'm game over by 2050 in that in that regard. Hopefully I'm still alive, let alone what I'll be contributing to business and society, who knows. But that really scared me actually, and that that's the truth of the matter. So everyone in your organization, the channel, your customers, everyone needs to be on this and and you know if it's one percent you know we talked about in sport, winning a World cup was about a one percent gain what make even if it's one percent, it doesn't matter. Just make that one percent difference because that will contribute to a better and healthier environment and planet.
1: What broad steps can be taken? today to work towards the goal of being more sustainable going forward
2: we're seeing a lot more investment going into multiple ways of providing green power essentially from those major providers you know wind turbines water cooling submerged data centers these are all things that we're seeing actively Um, from all of the major tech companies out there And I think that we're going to see that accelerate. I mean, these big companies are making some big pledges, you know, by 2030, as I say, a lot of them are saying carbon neutral, carbon negative. So all of that is absolutely going to have an impact in terms of what our customers are looking to achieve. I don't think we're seeing customers saying en masse, I need to be hitting these sustainability goals. And I think that's where there's a a disconnect to a certain point. And certainly, I think what we're going to see over the next few years, as in the UK, certainly legislation starts coming in where organisations are going to have to start reporting on these targets. I think that from governments down will absolutely start influencing and being incorporated into the decisions on how people not only buy IT, but just how they run their business. And I think that's the change that's going to drive or be the catalyst for people wanting to move away from doing potentially the the norms that they've been doing for many years. Now, are we seeing that today? I don't think so. Actually, I I don't think many organisations know that that is happening. I think as part of certainly us as a business, we're going to And we are starting to think about how we're going to articulate that to our customers and and help them make those decisions, certainly from a technology standpoint, because it's going to be factored in. If you're buying something, if you're transforming, if you're looking to change the way your business serves its customers, then naturally technology nowadays drives a lot of that. So how are you buying that? How are you supplying it? How are you managing it? How are you operating it? And all of these elements contribute in my opinion, to essentially emissions. And how do you then factor it into the, each part of that, that chain? And certainly we as a business, I think, are thinking about how we can help customers make those decisions in the most effective way and then obviously help them in the future be able to report that back because ultimately you don't want to be penalised for not doing something. And in this country, that is going to start happening quite quickly over the next few years.
5: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just to just to top that as well. So, you know, there's I think you know SECR is a big thing that come is, is, has come out in the last couple of years about how companies over certain sizes, uh, certain headcounts and etc. Uh, revenues um, have to report their their emissions. Um, you know, you've got TCFD, which is the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosure, which you know affects large businesses as well. So you're absolutely right. I totally agree, Dean. Is that you know the companies are going to have to start taking note, and I think that's probably one of the reasons of why. People are, you know, or not people, but organisations are taking a lot more note over the last couple of years. As Deborah said, COVID is one piece, but, you know, the government initiatives to get companies to, to report more. Uh, and it's nice to me that our White want to comment as well. And around the risk uh, and relate, you know, relation is, is, is becoming more and more uh, apparent.
3: From my side, I think the easy question is when we get asked by one of our customers about hardware, there's just two simple questions that we can answer right at the front. I mean, yes, we want them to buy it because that's what we're here for. But ultimately, I think the question should be why are they buying it? And if they're buying it to add to an estate, happy days. And if they're buying it for a natural refresh cycle, then I think the automatic answer to that is well let us help you with all those wraparound supply chain services and and what we can also then drive with with the refresh program is we've got to be encouraging people to refurb and reuse i mean that's got to be the number one message that we get out there Um, and if it is at the end of its life then again we're, we're the people to speak to because we've got partners like like gummers you know with n2s that actually do think about what happens to that product when it's at the end of its life and they will correctly separate and reprocess the particles and, and get the raw materials back out and push it back into the economy. Our whole industry is surrounded by these um, phrases and these buzzwords and these you know think before you buy close the loop on a circular economy and you know it's sustainability and all these different things that we hear every day and we take for granted i think we need to be encouraging our customers that we're the people to help you hit those goals and and achieve that message
0: i mean from my point of view and thanks deb's that why i say bringing together the channel this is vendor manufacturer Distributor, reseller, you got SIs, consultants, service providers, that are, that are all trying to sell more and more technology and new technology. And it absolutely it increases productivity for end users and businesses. For sure, this needs to continue. But I, I firmly believe that we are a you know capitalist uh, economy and we're built on you sell more, you sell uh, current equipment you get remunerated and I get that I honestly get that that's not I'm not critical of it I get it then came out ESG uh, environmental governance and sustainability reporting and and I was asked Microsoft and Apple are remunerating their senior leaders and and board on ESGs and I'm going well okay we're going to get cadence here because guess what we're being remunerated on it and my sort of plea is do we really need to be remunerated for it genuinely like is that going to change our habits and behaviors and i i, I just question it i'm not going to ju- be judgmental on it i just question it so i think there's there's an element of all working together all speaking to the vendors the manufacturers kind of what are you doing to help us support sustainability, right? I mean, there is that. And they do do a lot. Do not get me wrong. I work with a number of vendors personally and through my business to try and make this industry more circular, more closed loop, they term it.
1: Yeah, possibly a question for, for Dean, but uh, with speaking of other organisations, how can organisations use technology to help them evolve their operation to become more sustainable?
2: It's a tricky one, because people are ingrained in what they know. And we, with our vendors, are having to, I mean, we, we've just worked with HPE on the sustainability goals with them as an example. And there's some fantastic stuff that we can do in collaboration there that then becomes an education piece into our customers because customers come to us and they ask, I need to refresh my platforms. So I need to, transform my applications I need to look at my data my sprawling data sets these are all things we get asked how can you help me do those things effectively and in a much more improved way so digitally transform and then try and meet all these new objectives such as sustainability goals there's a there's a lot of moving parts there so we have to be fully educated ourselves as as to what is possible we can only go as fast as as those companies we work with who are innovating and building and Designing and deploying and giving us the option to provide options of technology because we don't make technology we're a reseller and we're a consultancy company. So we are relying on being able to pass over some of those uh, transformation elements from the people we work with into our customers. But how do we do that effectively by meeting the objectives that allow them to understand what their sustainability goals will need to be that's us educating ourselves with our vendors and passing that knowledge into and onto our customers. So for me, there's a huge area and that's why we're doing it now. We wanna be educated, we wanna understand this because it impacts the supply chain. And certainly we're part of that. It's understanding what's required. And let's face it, if you're gonna digitally transform, There's things you can do to help you meet your sustainability goals by doing so, by building something within a cloud platform where you can then obviously integrate your on-premises data into a cloud platform to take advantage of the goals and um, targets for their data centers that are running more with green targets and hitting those targets. If you've got a data center in the basement that's looking after a very heavy storage array, that's not going to meet your objectives. So if you, over the next few years, have a choice to make, you are going to have to do something about that. Our job is to educate and highlight how to fix or certainly give you better options to solve that challenge. And certainly there's that's going to be a thing. There's still a lot of companies out there that run data centers in their buildings. That's not sustainable. That is not going to be or hit any objectives over the next 10 years. So I would envisage that over the next 10 years there is going to be not many organizations, customers themselves, that are going to be running data centers in their building. Just will not be economically viable but also it will not meet the sustainability goals that they're going to need to meet for the targets they're going to be given. So we're going to have to help Those customers solve that challenge. So, I mean, that's just IT. There are bigger elements at play in terms of supply chain and how we supply devices in a much more effective way, how those devices are built, etc. How buildings are built. You know, Bill Gates recently mentioned that six percent of the carbon footprint is made up of cement manufacturing and it's almost innovation is the only way to solve that challenge you changing the way people make those materials that goes back to source of manufacturing so it's a whole range of stuff that has to happen to help our customers basically do things better um, including building their buildings because they're not going to stop building you know having offices so all of that is is something we're educating ourselves on to be able to part that knowledge over to those customers it's not just technology
0: I think Apple, there's is, is some stat, and I don't know whether it's improved, but pretty much 90% of the iPhone is still in the marketplace from when it's been manufactured because, you know, while Apple do, across their Apple stores, say trade in. I don't see that journey uh, has happened. But 5G coming, you know, for, we'll, we'll all want 5G, won't we? I mean, it'd be matter of fact. But our 4G device won't get 5G. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot coming back, which creates lots of opportunity there won't be any reuse so we've got to do something with that but i think to kind of dean's point is that cloud when cloud first came along i was like oh my god it's going to be raining data centers for andrew gomisol inc you know it, it just didn't happen because it's such a challenge and then the cost associated um but now i think the narrative is sustainability and and net zero is going to help that and support that so when John's saying measure, it really is measure. You know, we we have to prove it that it is more sustainable. And then in terms of supply chain, that's where I feel supply chain's got a duty to measure on behalf of Softcat and on behalf of that supply chain, because you're going to be asking for improvements. So you know, we're not saying you've got to be absolutely net zero today, but tomorrow you need to be better, and the next day you need to be better. And if you don't, that's where. I'd like the fear of of God in in the channel is that you won't be relevant, you you won't have a business, and especially if the carbon tax does come. and the the speci- the, the consultants and specialists I speak to are adamant that after COP twenty six it'll be a, a, along the lines of corporation tax, which is it's going up and it'll be in two years. So you've got two years to prepare, but in two years' time there will be a carbon tax, and some carbon tax of some organisations if they continue to do nothing potentially will be more than their EBITDA, which will be a real big position. Uh, I don't think the government will be saying, you need to pay it now. But I think that's a real interesting uh, connotation that should wake you up.
1: Cool. So we talked quite a bit about what sustainability looks like in the IT industry, how organisations can take better steps to become more sustainable. So let's... Take a look to the future. What are some of the goals and initiatives that are in place already that the channel is working towards?
4: I'd say that, you know, for, for us, it's worth reiterating our goals. You know, we have internal goals and we have collective goals. You know, the internal goals are short-term goals that we can achieve. They're in our own destiny. We've spoken about them, the carbon neutrality, you know, the green energy piece. But the bigger ambition there, which is an industry-wide ambition, is Net zero supply chain—that is something that impacts in you know, every one of us in some way, shape, or form. And you know, we can't do it alone. It's all that collective energy. And you know, whether you're a leader or you're a laggard in this space, there is a responsibility on you and your organisation to do your part. And if not, those that are leaders will absolutely, you know, gain competitive advantage. Those that are laggards risk being left behind. And ultimately, this is something that's going to become more and more important in you know, product and partner selection, as we've spoken about before. The influence is important, but we cannot... We cannot deliver for clients alone without having that net zero supply chain in place from end to end. That is us, that's a vendor, that's a distributor, that's couriers, you know, there's there's packaging in that as well. You know, there are so many aspects to that that we need to factor in. That's going to take, you know, over a decade to resolve. You know, we've got an ambition at the moment to resolve that by 2040 ahead of the 2050 compact globally and we believe we can do that we believe we can do that and we're taking a bit of a lead from big vendors you know pinning their you know colors to the mast as well with um, similar ambitions we believe that will drive change it will drive momentum and we believe that to be achievable but we absolutely cannot do that alone and we need the whole channel to get behind it we talk about circular economy and Andy's heard me talk about this before but sometimes that circle doesn't actually look like a circle we need to grease the wheels a bit and make sure that every single aspect knits together cogs together and runs like a, a proper piece of machinery and tackle all of those other aspects that we've spoken about, you know, so far today as well, you know, the recycling, the refurb, the remanufacture of goods and similar.
0: I, I think uh, finance is going to be a big part of this. They talk about, I mean, COP26 is going to be one element is around the finance, you know, and it's green finance. They're talking about the green revolution, which it seems weird to say it in that context, because a number of people have been doing it for yonks and we're still going, Wow, that's new green finance, green revolution, but the government are really really pushing it, and that's why I was slightly disappointed with the delays in COP26 because I really wanted to see it. But it's definite, it's a definite sort of stanza in the in the conversation with that's getting bigger and bigger. I think it can grow, but I think whether you're a vendor, whether you're a reseller, distributor, I think you won't be invested in in the future unless. Unless you are showing and you're greener and those factors will only gain more and more traction. So I think, and to Al's point, it's going to take 10 years just to get the ship that we're steering in one direction. And they talk about vendors and it's a difficult tanker to turn and blah, blah, blah. But we need to really turn those tankers quickly. And I think it will take 10 years. So we're sort of on that journey already. And then it's kind of the next 10 years to that 2050 where we've all got to prove it. And it will be, if we haven't done anything in those 10 years in this decade, it's going to be pretty catastrophic. If I'm honest, (laughs) it it really will be our climate. And yes, there are big contributors to it, but it's getting worse and worse and worse. You got snow in Australia (laughs) in the summer. (laughs) You know, we had snow just recently in spring, didn't we? I mean, like if it's not telling you, if you, if you're not, going into your basement and you've got a typhoon coming through your house, what more messaging do you need that that it really does need to accelerate? So I think think finance will help it. And this green finance revolution, I think that's going to be a big turning point. And the rest of us, yes, we can all do our little 1% changes and blah, 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 and it will help. But we're still capitalist-led, right? It's still going to be money and investment that's going to help it. And investment in... When when Sister John, you'll back me up on this. If you go to your organisations and you're talking about net zero, and you talk to somebody in sustainability, they're still learning. They might have a specialist and they're a doctor of embodied carbon or some a doctor of something, but that's one person potentially. The whole business doesn't understand, and the head of sustainability, I can tell you, will be going away, going, "How do we do this? How do we measure?" And they're still kind of bringing it all together. So don't be scared of having the conversation and opening it up because most people don't have the answers. We need to go. What I love is talk to your own organization, find that this is going to be, there are going to be more roles. So green finance equals more roles and more opportunity. And if you get passionate about it, like we all are now, then it could form 50% of your role. I mean, there's no problem with that. This is, this is, this is a good thing. So massive, you know, and I always say to you, John, then I say like, massive opportunity it's unbelievably scalable and broad and big and that's what's exciting for me
4: Andy can I just follow as well people talk about the Suez Canal I think you mentioned it earlier Deb look how much furore that caused for a short space of time without action here that would almost be a permanent shutdown of supply chains if we don't get this right and don't act now. We know legislation is coming. We know it will come. We're not sure when it's going to be here, but it'll be within a few years. Don't wait for that. And when it does, this is going to be a far bigger challenge for people to, to, to resolve and a far bigger journey to get there than what GDPR was a few years ago. And we need everybody to get behind this, you know, throw you know, energy, resource, talent at this, because it's something that is not a short term journey. It's something that's going to take you know over a decade of action
0: agreed with that we can't let marketing take over we need to call out the reality and that's where i love net zero because you have to call out the reality there's no hiding place when it comes to scope one two easy to assess right and everyone should be and will be doing it and buying renewable energy scope three mm, that's going to be really interesting (laughs) You know, I don't want to really tell you all of of the damage I'm doing kind of thing. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to. And that's what's changing our our world, Scope 3 emissions.
3: But listen, guys, we've also got to think about doing, I know you think we should be doing big things, Andy. But I think we should take our time as well, educate internally and not not rush and to jump on a massive tanker with all this sustainability message. Let's just think about the small steps that we can take initially within our current business to, to just get that message out there and have people think about it.
0: I can, I can assure you, I don't disagree with you, Deb. You're right. Start with the 1%. But what gets exciting is once you see the difference in that 1%, you want, and to Al's point, pace. You want to go, you want to go, you know, you want to do more. And that's what's exciting. So the role of the employee in SoftCap potentially is I do a little 1% and then I want more. I'm going to do 10% of it. And suddenly it's 50% of your conversation. Al's, I don't know what your conversation is in sustainability now, but it was 1%, wasn't it? And now it's probably 25%.
4: Yeah. I think you can surprise yourself though, Deb, as well, in terms of the pace that you can take this and the the pace you can take others. But it goes back to that start of the journey of the education piece, educating yourself, educating others and taking them with you. It's been amazing to set out our stall and expectation with suppliers. We've spoken about the challenge of scope three and the challenge of suppliers. We've done exercises with them. It's not a case of you must do this. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be on the list. You're not allowed in, but more a case of we need you to do this. We need you to embark on this journey. Here's the expectation from us. It's not going to change our... uh, our behaviour our selection criteria overnight but if we don't see the right actions over time it's naturally going to have an impact and to the point around marginal gains if you've got you know partners that are level pegging sustainability will be the difference you know in time and and the weighting attached to that is going to become greater and greater over time as well to deliver upon you know other individuals goals so the education piece the awareness piece the pace piece you know the marginal gains all of that adds into the into the mix and into the melting part and i think people can surprise themselves in terms of how far they can take this and how kind of supportive other individuals are there is such a a want and a need for individuals to play a part here and it's great to recognize the responsibility and the change that you can actually drive you know directly and indirectly through investing in time money and and, and effort and resource in this space
1: so let's jump forward five years what would you like to have seen happen?
4: If we follow on from a supply chain perspective, I'd like for uh, supply chain to be more aware, more prepared, and better equipped to deal with this change. That's not necessarily to say that they've solved carbon neutrality, they've they've solved, you know, renewable energy and they're all, you know, carbon net zero to the three goals we've got. But they are probably some way down the line with those first two goals if not delivered against both of them and in you know net zero they have recognized where they are at a point in time and how the relevant steps and layered goals that we put in place and actions that need to be you know, need to be taken will drive them towards the destination that they, they need to be at and we need them to be at as well to deliver you know customer solutions in the way in which you know we, we require so for me no surprise here with responsibility for you know supply chain i want suppliers to ultimately be prepared and ready and to be you know well on the way on that journey for you know a net zero supply chain whilst we've got you know 2040 in our sights and it feels like a long way away this is like steering an oil tanker you know on, on a new destination and that's not an easy one to manoeuvre and we need you know individuals to you know have the map out and to determine the direction of travel they need to take the pace that they take and how they're going to get there
0: yeah so for me just chipping in quickly is um procurement I want to see procurement changing. And they've talked about it. Government have said, and we're part of uh, an advisory group around DEFRA and how government will effectively choose procurement routes and use sustainability as I think around 20%, but I think it should be slightly greater, you know, a, a quarter potentially, and actually see it work. That's the bit that I really and, and it, you know this is public sector I'm talking about, but actually, you know, private as well. We all know on this call it's been absolute lip service. Quick, put in a bit of bound sustainability and green, and what do you do for charity? It is just pure lip service, and it's some of it is fantastic, some of it's good stuff, but for me, it needs to be a longer term approach. Longer term, I don't think three years. So we talk about life cycles of products and refreshes every three years, five years, which we're prevocated on the vendor and in the support of the technology. Whatever that life cycle is, I'm, I'm not too worried and fussed. Don't, don't get me wrong, but let's look at it a longer term. And we, you look at the cascades in, in life in circular economy, we need a longer term approach. So you know, my, for external purposes, my sort of part in this is, please don't just think of this as a one-off. This isn't a one-off, how much are you giving me? This is what can you give me in the future for the next three, five, seven, ten years? And let's not just change tomorrow because, oh, uh, my account manager isn't paying me any, any attention. That's just too short-termism.
3: All I want to say is, is I just think people generally should be thinking before they buy and if they do really 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 need to buy it then that's absolutely fine but try and and work with a product that's been made from a sustainable source you know the materials are recycled as much as possible Um, and then the actual item itself can be repaired and can be fixed yourself or locally or easily you can upgrade it you can make it better so you can extend the life cycle of of whatever that device is that you're using I, i think that to me is is really important and it helps to work on everybody's um you know carbon footprint
1: perfect thanks everyone dean as an explain it regular can you just give us a quick summary of everything we've covered today? 10-second summary, if you like, no pressure.
2: I'll just break it into the three points I think Al mentioned earlier, so I'm going to repeat what he said. Number one, education. Number two, challenge the status quo. And obviously, three, the rate of change. Do that, get it quick, execute, and obviously have accountability and make every industry in every sector accountable for it. And I think that's critical for me. Smashed it.
1: Well, that is all we've got time for for this episode. Uh, Dean, Deborah, John, Al and Andy, thank you very much for your time. And thank you for listening. If you want to know anything more about what was covered in today's episode or want to get in contact with us, feel free to email us at podcast at uh, Make sure you click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd also really appreciate you giving us a review or a comment on whatever podcast platform you use. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Explain It from Softcat.